Hello! And welcome to the list of absolutely everything that might kill you. A comprehensive compilation of the seemingly innocuous everyday items that are secretly plotting your downfall. We will provide you with the tools you need to survive the unexpected dangers lying in wait at work, during your commute, and even in the comfort of your own home. Join me, Matt Edmondson, and my esteemed co-host and capable medical professional. Uh, Arguable, that, isn't it? Semi-capable former medical professional. I was going to say, you get less capable as every minute passes. Adam Kay is here, and we're going to explore the surprisingly morbid histories of everything from deadly doorbells to fatal feather boas. It's a horrible way to go. In every episode, we will each make the case for an object's inclusion on the lethal league table. And we'll hear from a statistician who will give us the definitive facts and figures about how deadly these items are. I love a statistician! It's satisfying. It feels good in the mouth to say statistician. We'll aim to bring you the definitive list of absolutely everything that might kill you. Which also happens to be the name of our show. The list of absolutely everything that might kill you. So come and then join us, put on your high vis, fasten your seatbelt, and most importantly, keep your arms and legs inside the podcast at all times. I'm ready. So Adam, how are you around death? I'm um I've probably seen more death than than most people. That's ominous. Given my former line of work as a as a murderer. I've not seen <laughs> As a, as, a, as a doctor. As a doctor. I've not seen all that much death. The most traumatizing I've had is my pet rabbit died when I was a child. Cause of death? Uh, cause of death. Ate some poisonous plant from the front of the garden. And I had war- I knew it was poisonous. I warned my family. I said, don't let the uh, rabbit out I've there. Been touch the arsenic plant. Yeah. Why have we even got that? Exactly. The rabbit was called Buttons. Out it went. It ate the plant. And we took it to the vets because it got quite sick. And yep. um, the rabbit went on the table. Now, rabbits don't really make noises. There's, this rabbit had been completely quiet its entire life. And as it sat on the table, it went... <laughs> and I said to the vet, can you keep him in overnight? And he went, I think he just went then. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> that scream was the last scream of pain from the rabbit. So humans go for a, the death rattle, mm. but rabbits go for a, a yell. It was unbelievable. Haunting. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm quite, I'm quite funny about death. I don't like to think about it all that much, which is uh, you know, problematic because I've signed on to do this podcast. Where it's the only thing we're talking it's about. the only thing we're talking about. Curious ways to go. I have often thought what would be the best way to go. And people say in your sleep. And I quite like the idea of that. I think that probably is the best way to go. As opposed to being grated to death or something. Well, exactly. Yeah, a yeah, meat grinder. Terrible. Yeah, as opposed to that. Um, I think this podcast is going to give me the willies. Is that still a thing? Do people still get the willies? I think so, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's a medical term, mm. but it's It's, it's a been thing. a while since you've practiced, though, so it might be. It could, it could now be. Um, I think it might give me the willies because I, I'm quite scared generally, quite risk-averse. I don't really take many risks. Like, I can't understand why anyone would do a skydive. Are you a risk taker? More than you. I mean, I think one thing medicine has has really done to me as a job is it sort of fucked my fear barometer. So, like, anytime there's, a, there's an emergency, 
I think my training kicks in and you're taught the first pulse you check is your own. So the doctor has to come in and be calm. Oh, yeah. My husband is the opposite. And he's, he, he reacts like buttons and screams. Yes. And so ah! I think because he is so scared of stuff, I'll say I've, I've loaded the, the dishwasher or something and he'll work out how that could either destroy the house or cause mortal injury. Well, yeah. If, are you a knives up or knives down guy in the dishwasher? I don't care. I mean, they're just, you know. No, because if the knives are pointing, I, this is an argument I have with my wife all the time. She likes to put the knives up because she thinks that the uh, they will chip away at the plastic. We had to buy another one, a new one recently, because I keep putting the knives down because I think if I trip and fall, I don't want to be impaled on an upward knife. I mean, there's an argument, but there's also the argument that that has never happened in the history of humanity. And it could do. But it could do. I may have to put dishwashers onto the list at some point. I mean, that's sort of what, that's sort of what the podcast is, yeah. isn't it? So identifying the actual risk. Yeah. And so we're going to be given a category and we have to each come up with something that we think might be the most deadly. And I think we're going to start with uh, offices. Have you ever had an office job? No, I don't think I'd be good at it. Why? Uh, I'm just a very unreliable person, mm. and I think I'd get sacked. I, I have worked in a couple of offices, and I've had a couple of scary things take place, you know. So I, I used to work for Children's BBC as a presenter. I'm sure you remember. Guys? Guys? Anyone? No? Well, I did. I did. I used to introduce things like Tracy Beaker. I'll jog your memory. Here's Tracy Beaker. Oh, yeah, that was you. Yeah, I was one of those guys. Yeah. And uh, Is that really an office job? Well, we had an office and we had to go <laughs> yeah, in. You had a job. Yeah, and I okay. had a job. No, there was an office that, that we, we, you know, we'd spend like a few hours in preparing the links and writing scripts and that sort of stuff. If you're going to stretch office job to that, yeah, I did. I, I'd sat in antenatal clinics. But no, because that's not an office. This was, well, listen, there was an office and I had a job there. But what happened was I got fired from that job. And I needed to cut a show. You swore on air. No. I said, Tracy fucking Beaker. Tracy fucking Beaker. Uh, I wish I had. Uh, That would have been a more dramatic way to go. No, they just, uh, the reason was they felt that I was unpalatable to children. (laughs) They they thought kids wouldn't like me. And now you have kids of your own. I have kids of my own. And And uh, what they wrote? They don't like me. So, how deadly are offices? It's time to try and find out. Adam and I have been scratching our heads and having a think, and we are going to pitch what we think might be the most deadly thing in in the humble office. But how will we know which is the most deadly? We are going to guess. No, we're not. We are going to ask Jennifer. Jennifer is a professional statistician, and if she doesn't know, then... Nobody does. It was the wrong booking. Yeah, exactly. We should, have, we should have gone for one of her colleagues. She won't be back in episode two if she doesn't know. Yeah, she's going to use some uh, fancy maths. Probably a bit of data. I would imagine. I would hope so. And a calculator, maybe a spreadsheet. I think she will have asked Jeeves or been on Bing. Yeah. She will have done some stuff to give us a very scientific result as to which of our items is more deadly. Hi boys, my name is Professor Jennifer Fisser-Rogers and I'm the resident statistician for the list of absolutely everything that might kill you. Sorry that I can't be sat with you, but I've been far too busy crunching the numbers and not asking Jeeves. I'm here to inject a little cold, hard data into the conversation so that we might work out, to the best of our ability, which one of the two objects, professions, places or phenomena being brought to the table today are most likely to result in your demise. In order to do that, 
we're going to be making use of a unit of measurement known as the micromort. A micromort is a unit of risk that measures a one in one million chance of death. The higher the micromort score, the more risky the activity. If you happen to be a 90-year-old man, simply getting out of bed is a 463 micromort activity, meaning that for every million male nonagenarians who cast off the covers and rose to face the day this morning, for 463 of them, that was the last thing they ever did. If you fancy a skydive, you're looking at 10 micromorts per jump. And if you serve in the UK Armed Forces during a conflict, simply carrying out your job can expose you to 47 micromorts worth of risk per day. So, bearing all of that in mind, let's hear today's two entrants into the list of absolutely everything that might kill you. So, I have gone for vending machines. Okay, yeah, I can sort of see the logic for that. Talk me through your thinking. So, the thinking is... They're the only things in an office that literally say next to them, do not tip this forward or you will die. Oh, that's true, yeah. And you wouldn't put that in. That's a fucking fatal, would you? On the phone, it doesn't say, you know, don't sort of shove this into your pancreas or something. But this is the only danger of death that I'm aware of, albeit not as a seasoned office professional like you, but it's got the warning. I've known a few uh, vending machine rockers in my time. I have a friend called Dev, and he he used to, uh, in the office which I currently work at, uh, he used to regularly shake up that vending machine. And the spoils from it really did pay dividends. It was incredible. Wow. So what you're, what you're saying, the official advice of <laughs> the production company is go ahead. No. Are you not going to tell me that my friend Dev was risking his life every time he went for a Mars bar? I've done some pretty in-depth research into the topic, uh, which means I've Googled <laughs> vending machine deaths. Yeah. And uh, I, was, you know, I, was, I was pretty right. If a vending machine falls on you, which they do sometimes, you've got a 25% chance of dying from that. Well, that actually feels like it's worth the risk. I've got a, what I'm hearing is a 75% chance of living. Of, of living, yeah. <laughs> You'd have to tug it really hard, the vending machine, I'm saying, to, to get it to fall on you, wouldn't you? There's no recommendation that they do sort of strap it to the wall. Do you know, like if you, like if you buy some flat pack furniture, there's always you know, a, a, a strap. Oh, like a little yes. bracket. And then, so you're relying on the vending machine uh, installer to install the bracket. Yes, but if they have installed the bracket, presumably you can't shake it. Yeah, that would be a problem. Yeah, you'd have to take the bracket off. And yeah. Then, well, at, like, the, at the point that we've brought a, you've brought a Bosch yeah. electric screwdriver with This you. is why I always have, and if you were watching this, you'd see that I have an Allen key tucked behind my ear, <laughs> like a builder's pencil. Always ready to just unscrew some heavy machinery. This is my best fact I know about vending machines. In the UK... You're going to fill in the number. Okay. There is one vending machine for every how many people? Ooh, um, I mean, there are, there are lots of vending machines, uh, but I, I think they're more city-based, aren't they? You don't really get them out in the provinces, um, out there in the countryside. I've never been on a lovely walk and found one you know, plugged in in the wilderness. Uh, for every person, it's got to be... I think there will be 
300, no. Yeah, 300 vending machines. No, I, I can't do this maths. What's so wrong one, with me? So it's one person, so it's one vending machine for every X people. Right, it's okay. Not, not 300 vending machines yes, for a person. I was going to say. <laughs> which would be overkill. Say, I was going to say. Right, 300 people have to share one, I think. It's one vending machine for every 55 people. That's a lot of vending it's machines. That's a lot of vending machines, isn't That's it? That's a lot of vending machines. I reckon if I, if I got 55 people together, which would be hard because I don't have that many friends, but if I got that many people together and said, when did you last use a vending machine? I don't think all that many of them would admit to it. Maybe I'm just mixing in. I mean, people do. And in fact, according to the Society of Vending Machines' latest report... Sorry, there's a Society of Vending there Machines. I can't remember what they're actually Sign called. Sign me up. Take my subs. <laughs> there, there was, there was some, someone with a, according to someone with a website who seemed official, every year, UK... Seven billion items. That's that's a lot, and a lot of those people would have got it jammed and had to do had to had to shake yeah, it. Two two billion of those are still in the vending machines. <laughs> now the question is, if one does get snagged, do you go again? It's like Vegas. It's like you know the house always wins, or do you go? Well, they I, they took all my money last time, but this time I'm going to win it back. Do you go again on that same? A uh, rotational thing, and hope that you then get the double Snickers. Yeah, but what if you've sunk two pounds forty and you don't? You would never go a third time. Never at go that, at that point. But then you're in quite deep at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I say to Brian, yes. Brian, we've had to remortgage. Why? <laughs> I got three hundred stuck Snickers in a vending machine. Would you ever put your hand in? Uh, you can't. You can't. No, they have a very clever device now that um, a guillotine. Yeah, no, it's like a no, it's like a stop. It's like a um, like a what do you call, like a valve type thing. So as you go in, it boom, like a cat flap comes up. You can't I get your hand see, up there. Yeah, I see. Because in school time, there was no such device, and if it was low, if it was a low on the E row or something, you'd have a chance of sort of of getting it if it was if it was halfway out. Yeah, if this. Uh, podcast was called uh, a list of ways to break your arm i would say absolutely the vending machine would be in there because i reckon a lot of kids have got had to be like cut out by the fire service <laughs> with their their hand gripped around a diet pepsi so yeah that's, that's a good point so as well as the the deaths from being crushed there will also be a significant maimings. number of injuries and ma- maimings yeah. yeah i reckon um i mean you could even go quite meta and say that Someone eating a chocolate bar from a vending machine might have been the last bit of cholesterol uh, that just uh, popped their heart. Yeah, the last bit. The, it wasn't the so, last bit of blood that went through a coronary artery. Was exactly. If it wasn't thanks to that, it wasn't so convenient. They may never have eaten that. Uh, you know, packet of what's it? I'm trying to name everything that could be in a vending machine. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, talk to me about that, how deadly they are. Well, I was able to find a research paper by Dr. Michael Q. Cossio. His, uh, his big number, as of course you'll know, is called Soda Pop Vending Machine Injuries. Mm, I've read it thrice. And cover to cover. You'll, you'll obviously know that uh, there's, there's, there's some bad stuff that's possible. So oh, yeah. even if you don't die, I can offer you a fractured skull. No, thank you. I can offer you a punctured bladder. Better. Or a severed toe. Sort of depends what toe it is, really. Yeah, I, I think, think big, I could, big toe you don't want to lose. I think I could lose the happily lose the toe next to my little toe, but not your little toe. No, I require that for balance. 
Do you? Yeah, it's on either end. It's, it book, it's bookending the foot. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're the doctor. <laughs> what, from a medical perspective, if I had to lose a toe, which would be the best one to get rid of? I'd have gone for little toe. Nonsense. You'd be imbalanced. How much are you using that for balance? All the time. I ride a scooter, Adam. All the time. It's the size of a piece of sweet corn. That little toe. Well, you haven't seen my little toe. I've actually got a surprisingly big little toe. Uh, no, I, I like it. And what I like about my little toe is I trained it to move on its own because my sister could do it. And I couldn't bear the idea that she could do something that I couldn't. It's the closest I've ever come to uh, muscle building. And I, uh, as a kid, was like, I'm going to find out those mus- what that muscle is. I'm going to get my brain to connect to it and now i can puppeteer my little toe that's disgusting well you tell that to cbb's because they've commissioned it for a 12-part series I, we got distracted here because you're saying someone lost a toe in a vending machine how I, I, that was another that was a rocking injury a rocking injury rocking injury not, back forward that, back forward ah down on the right, toe instead of putting their hand up they've tried to put the foot up because longer <laughs> go up like a chimpanzee and grab a grab something out with your toes <laughs> yes they've got opposable toes yeah, yeah. I can see I can see that. I mean all three of those aren't great but they're not deaths. They're not, they're, they're not deaths uh, but in order to know the death numbers we're going to need to ask Jen. Oh yeah, of course. Jen and her stats. I love it. Well boys, vending machines have a pretty low score on our system. Now, remember, we're using micromorts, which are basically a calculation of how likely you are to die at the hands of anything. In this case, the annual odds of you carking it due to a vending machine are a cool one in 112 million, giving it a micromort score of 0.00892. Not going to lie bit disappointed i was hoping <laughs> hoping for much more fatal but i'm not sure there is something more dangerous uh, unless i've forgotten something massive well you have stand down whilst i wow everybody with my choice which is the lift oh, the elevator fuck. yes obviously is that technically in an office yeah of course. Not in your office office, it's in the office building. Well, the office building is part of the office. To get to the office, you have to often use a lift, unless you're one of those people that's just got a Fitbit and wants to climb the stairs and tell everyone how fit you are all the time. That's not me. No, I'm a big fan of a lift. I sort of like everything about lifts. I like... The claustrophobia. Yeah, no, I like... The stale air. No, I like... The buttons. I, the buttons, I like the, the buttons. buttons. It's exciting to press You named button. a rabbit after it. Oh, quite... <laughs> Quite. I um yeah, I like the uh the thrill of pressing pressing the button. It's never left me. As a kid, now it's like uh You weren't the kids in the hotel who presses every Yeah. Oh no. Um yeah, I like a lift. I like the fact that they've got mirrors in. I like looking at myself. Yeah. Checking my hair out. It's always fun. I like I like watching other people look at themselves in the mirror as well. I actually like seeing other people's reflections in the mirror because their faces are always slightly different. Have you ever been stuck in a lift? No, I, I've come close. My mum wants... I coming close. Well, going in a lift that didn't get stuck. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I, I certainly had trepidation around that happening when I was probably 11, 12. My mum ran a summer school 
and it had the oldest lift I'd ever been in, and it could fit one person in it, and it had a, so a coffin. There was a coffin. Yeah, it was a big, big wooden box, uh, sort of uh, lined with uh, purple silk, and you lay down <laughs> it with your arms crossed. No, no, it was um, this one-person thing, and you had a slidey door that went across. No, it was not slidey, like a, a lattice door. You know? Oh, I know. Yeah, so like some old theatres have got those exactly. Still, yeah. And it was that was rusty. It has a kind of like, and it wouldn't it wouldn't move until that kind of clicked in position, and then the noise it made was like uh, it sounded like an exorcism as it went up and down. Terror, terrifying. And you always got into it and thought, maybe I'll never come out the other side. But you did. Well, I did come out the other side. So but you think some people don't? Yeah, so basically, that, I've just told a story in which I got into a lift. And everything there, was fine. And everything was fine. But at the which time, Which I think is normally how it, how it goes. Yeah. So yeah, sadly for this podcast, but happily for my own life, I've not gotten trapped in a lift. But people have, one of whom is Cavelli Papajon. Papajon? from the famous pizza family. I don't know if there's any connection. I assume so. The pizza heiress. Yes. <laughs> uh, spent six days stuck in a lift in Cyprus. That oh, was so six small. Days, six days is too much. Yeah, so small she could barely sit down. She was 76 years old. I mean, how long... That feels like on the very brink of how long you can survive without food or water, presumably. She's not going to be in great shape. Well, thankfully, she did what we should all do, which is carry some tomatoes with her. She had some... Oh, that's cheating. If you've just, if you've just been to M&S, yeah. Cyprus uh, branch, um, that's cheating. <laughs> yeah, she had a full spread. It was yeah. a lovely six days. <laughs> Time of her life. She enjoyed it. Uh, no, she, she eked out some tomatoes, rationing to, her, to herself, which actually is very wise because I think the first sign of getting hungry would have been like, well, I got some tomatoes. I'll eat those. I'll get rescued soon. They would have been gone in the first six minutes, those tomatoes. And then the further five days would have been an endurance task. Yeah. So she, she made a bet. This is going to be about a week. Mm. She's a pessimist. Exactly. She's like, I, these tomatoes might have to survive me up to a week. I'd have thought a day maximum. Surely it can't be more. A day is, a day is hell. Yeah. A day's bad in there. I am, um, I mean, I don't like, sort of, you know, a toilet break because I have to be with my own thoughts. Imagine being in a lift for six days. Terrible. With only oh, tomatoes yes. to come. Also, tomatoes go right through me, yeah. if anyone needs to know that. So I'm sentencing myself to a, a non-great smell in that lift within, yeah. within an hour. And you've, as we have heard, barely space to sit down. So how you would have squatted into position, I don't know. <laughs> and also, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't want to defecate in a lift when I know someone's going to have to rescue me. Mm. I, because see, what if they arrived two minutes later and I could have just held on? Yeah. Perversely, I'd quite like it. What if it was only like 15 minutes? And <laughs> <laughs> you've already shut the lift. I said, look, a trapping's a trapping, all right? When you've got to go, you've got to go. Um, I've had one minor lift disaster. Why were you in a mine? That's a minor joke there. That's, that works because you would have a lift in a mine shaft. So you that, would. That does yeah. work. I mean, it's a, it's a technical joke. Adam, if you could just leave a moment for the audience to laugh. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Just sorry. leave a pause for them. Have they finished? No. They have now. Carry on. Okay, great. So this was visiting an office, visiting a TV production company yeah. uh, for a job I didn't get, unrelated to this, but uh, uh, for the last 10 minutes of the meeting was slightly uncomfortable uh, from uh, secondary to intestinal gas. Right, You're sure. aware of that feeling? Yeah, like a, like a bloated tum-tum. Yes, but I got through it. Everything was fine. The moment of relief 
when I got into the empty lift and was able to uh, expel mm. uh, my intestinal gas. Yes. Um, and uh, obviously you make the calculation that no one's going to come in the lift you know, um, but it was only it was only like two floors down. Sure. I thought we were going. To, I was I was going to be safe. It wasn't an empty lift. Oh no! It wasn't a silent expulsion. Oh no! Um, that it's, was. It's an incredible power play, though, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and just to check for my stats, no death as a consequence of that. No immediate death, but right. we do know that obviously that pollution has long-term mm. lasting. Uh, in which case, I do apologise uh, to to the to the bereaved family. Yeah, cause of death, Adam Kay's fart. I once went on this lift at Disneyland. It took me right to the top of this tower. Oh yes. And then it plummeted. Plummeted down. Yes. Terrible. I've been in that ride too. Yeah. So that is a good practice run mm. for what happens if you're at the top of the tower block, the cable snaps and you start to plummet to the earth. Exactly. Yeah. You get, you pose for the photo and then you die. And then you die. Um, it's not a nice feeling uh, from a gastrointestinal point of view, is it? No, absolutely not. That fart would have emerged from, uh, from another, my eyes. From your, <laughs> another orifice. That's a bad feeling. Mm. Um, I have... I have the medical answer, the the scientific answer of what you do if you are, if you're if you are in that situation, if you're, you're going plummeting. to plummeting to your death. I, I feel like the answer well, is to jump. No, that is not the answer. Oh. Well, jump and then hope that you well, I would, fly. You've, no, you've no. learned how to fly no, during the jump. I'm imagining that as the lift is about to hit the ground, mm -hmm. so it's going to hit. I'm going to jump in the air, and I'm then going to be sort of unaffected because I've just got air around me. So I'm going to jump. It's going to hit the ground. I'm then, it hits You're going to do then, a normal landing. Yeah. And then I, so it lands, smash. I jump just before it does. And then I come back and I, and I land and I walk out of there just brushing, brushing a bit of dust off my shoulder as people go, wow, check that guy out. Okay. So, so you've, you've sentenced yourself to death there. Oh no. So I'm going to offer the counterpoint yeah. for the listeners who want to survive this, which is, um, so you just need to lie down. Right, you'd be most protected there because you're gonna you're gonna get really smashed up from your head bashing into something, or you're smashing up your pelvis or something. So lie down. You may, if you've got enough, if it's like falling like three thousand floors, and you've got enough time to do this, maybe put a jumper underneath your head for a bit of bit of cushioning. Yeah, a little pillow. Yeah, sure. You'd have to be relatively chill to um, to to be thinking to take your jumper yeah. off and put it down. But that that's the answer. So, so you lie down, and is that is that because it's spreading the surface area of your body out, or is it just like? I don't think so. I think it's mostly so you don't sort of because um, what you've done with your jumping mm. is you're now just going to smash every bone in your body as mm. it sort of. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I hope it never happens, but if it does, I will lie down. It might be quite alarming to the other people in the lift. Like, guys, don't worry <laughs> about. It. I I did a podcast. It's fine. Come down. It's some spoon bloke who used to be a doctor. Exactly. He's got some half remembered yeah. semi fact about lying down. You get that jumper off. <laughs> We're all going to be fine. Um, when it comes to elevators, then I know what you're thinking. You're thinking elevators sorry, for the American audience. I assume that we've and also for the French audience, ascenseurs. Ascenseurs. Uh, although they will, hopefully, they do know some English. Mm. Although they've struggled with all, all the bit up to this point. And I've really enjoyed that bit, though. So lifts, elevators first cropped up in England and America in the 1830s, which feels that's what? too early, that's too too early, early for, lift. for a lift. That's all going to be made out of leather and bones and wood, isn't it? Well, you're it? not far off. Hemp. 
they made them out of. Yeah, uh, which obviously being hemp, liable to snap. Um, which but lo- proves- lovely and organic. Nice and organic, exactly. Yeah, good for the environment. Bad for getting getting to floor four getting, exactly. safely. I don't think they even had a full floor at that point, so we're all right. Um, but obviously, then the technology improved, and then a breakthrough happened in the 1850s. So there was this industrialist. Elisha Otis, off of the Otis lifts, uh, invented what he called the safety hoist. The name is in the title. So the idea is it prevents a platform from falling in the event of a rope failing. You know all this, that there are, even if the cable snaps, Mm. for the last 150 years, there's this safety mechanism and you're still claiming that it's more dangerous than a vending machine. Yeah, definitely it is because they're everywhere now, right? New York could not be New York without the elevator. Pre-lift, the highest building was six stories. No one wants to walk more than six stories. They couldn't. It's impossible. It's impossible. No one's ever done it. No one's ever done it. Uh, No, there's a couple of annoying people at my work that do it. They walk to the eighth floor. No. Yes. And they, boy, do they like to tell you about it every day. Um, But for the majority of people, they're not doing that. And so think about how that skyline's transformed now because you've got high rises everywhere. Right. That's good background lift information. Thanks very much. Uh, Has it given you a lift? Uh, no, it's, uh, t- to be honest, uh, it's been slightly dull. Sure. Too, too, too much information. Fine, I apologise. TMI. Um, no, it's fine. Um, so, I'm, I'm here for, for death stories. You want stories. stories. You want I, want death stories. De- I, want, I want the death. Sure. So far, I'm just getting technical information. Fine. Well, listen, one of the most common causes is this thing called mislevelling. So, it's when the door of the elevator uh, fails to line up correctly with the corresponding door in the hallway that it's going to. That can obviously result in people tripping or falling or serious injury, that sort of thing. Um, uh, defective doors. Oh, that, oh, that, ah. So, most... So you've tricked me. So most of the deaths are going to be from someone just, it's, it's, it's an inch or two off. They trip over, smash their hip. Exactly. I saw a very alarming TikTok video recently of someone stepping into an elevator that had, was lower down as the doors closed. They almost lost their head. Thankfully, they didn't. But that has happened. There was a 35-year-old surgeon killed whilst boarding an elevator when the doors closed on his shoulders, decapitating him. I mean... I thought the doors were meant to know that you're there. I stick my foot in the elevator doors all the time. One, they're meant to know where you're there. Two, what are they making these out of? I know. You don't want... <laughs> why Why have they sharpened them so much? It's just they can decapitate. Yeah. They should just have a little bit of, like, cushioning material there, just in case it doesn't work. So the problem it, is, once it starts moving, you're still going to... It's still going to go. Oh, uh, yeah. The one I would worry about... You know, I'm a busy guy. I don't have time to, you know, to, to concentrate on everything at all times. You've barely got time for this podcast. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've got to leave in a minute, write three more books. Um, so I press, you know, I'm going, I'm on floor eight. I need to go to floor zero, press the button, doors open. I'm going to trust the lift is there when the doors open. Yes. Does, is sometimes the lift not, because that would be the worst thing, because I'm probably checking my emails. Yeah, that happens. People falling into lift shafts. Yeah, if you that's, look at, that's going to be a hard one to survive. Yeah, 2014, there was a guy uh, found dead on top of a lift in Queens because he opened the door to the lift of his apartment building, wasn't looking, stepped into the empty shaft, plummeted several floors, obviously, down onto the lift, and then was sort of found by some maintenance workers later on. Because that could be a long time later. Yeah. Because if if someone goes missing, 
you don't check on top of the lift. No, it's the last place you'd look. <laughs> it's it always the last is. place you look. That's like a sort of Jonathan Creek episode, if you want a 20-year-old reference. Um, it's uh, <laughs> where, where the person's gone. It's on top of the lift, They were on of top of the lift. It's, the, it's now the first place I'm going to look. Exactly. If anyone goes missing, check the lift. So I'm now feeling that I badly uh, mispitched vending machines and that lifts are... Um, fatal there's, yeah. there's quite a few so many ways you get stuck in one and then you perish because you can't get access to food and water you can be uh decapitated by one you could fall into one you could die of boredom during one of your stories about the new york skyline exactly so much uh but jen of course is the person with the stats so jen tell us in your beautifully pre-recorded way how many people die through lifts each year So is the elevator more or less dangerous than the vending machine? Now remember, the vending machine had an annual likelihood of 1 in 112 million. Well, you might be surprised because the actual chance of you dying on a single lift trip is a minuscule 1 in 736 million. But as with all statistics, there's a little bit more to it because the average elevator user takes multiple lift trips a year mammothly increasing their annual risk of death to 1 in 10.5 million or 0.0952 micromorts. I mean, that's a, a fair cop. Yeah, 1 um, in... That's, that actually feels quite high. 1 in 10.5 million. I mean, there's... It's quite, it is quite high. Isn't it, it is high. But it's, it's not so high you'd think twice about using lifts. If it no. Was, if it was 1 in 38, you'd be like, I'm going to going to take the stairs no you're right but still yours was what one in 112 million yeah i'm gonna keep keep rocking those vending machines oh i'm never paying for a twix ever again and not nor should any of the listeners well there you have it as predicted a win for me i should have warned you adam i'm incredibly competitive and i will sulk if i lose but you know what don't need to because i didn't that was our first showdown on the list of absolutely everything that might kill you. The Humble Lift comes out on top and may it be recorded in the ledger for the record, a win to Edmondson. And I feel like we've been informative as well. You know, someone might dodge a lift and on their next trip to an office block and maybe they might survive. We're performing a public service. We're the fourth emergency service unless you count the Coast Guard, <laughs> yeah, which, which don't. We, we don't. You know, we've always always been very anti, vocally anti-Coast Guard. So thanks for listening. Uh, do join us next time as we add two more items to the list. The List of Absolutely Everything That Might Kill You is a podcast from Podimo and What's The Story Sounds. It's presented by me, Adam Kay. And me, Matt Edmondson. The episodes are researched and produced by Jack O'Kennedy. Executive producers for Podimo are Jake Chudnow and Matt White. And for What's The Story Sounds, it's Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. Listener.